I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers. Yes. Yes, you have. Finally, something to agree with at one of these GOP presidential debates. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right Here I am, stuck in the middle with you I am from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains, KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, Eugene's KEPW. Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF, amongst other fine terrestrial affiliates. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites, Blanketing, Planet Earth, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from Bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today, and welcome back to the Bradcast. I do appreciate it. Uh, And especially for you joining us for another special coverage episode, whether you or we like it or not. (laughs) Since we uh, since we got off air yesterday, among the news of note that has broken is that Minnesota's Supreme Court has decided that Donald Trump is not barred from the GOP presidential primary ballot in 2024 under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, the so-called Insurrection Disqualification Clause. But the court invited the petitioners to refile regarding the general election ballot next year. For now, the court has found that the GOP state party presidential primary is, quote, an internal party election to serve internal party purposes only. It is merely administered by the the state's secretary of state, leaving the question about the general election ballot itself as an open one. Also, the actors union SAG-AFTRA has finally struck a tentative deal with Hollywood film and TV producers, hopefully ending the union's longest ever strike and likely soon Restarting production after months of labor strikes by both their union and the Writers Guild that has pretty much crippled the industry out here in L.A. since early summer. Israel has agreed to allow daily four-hour humanitarian pauses, as the Biden administration has been pressing for. In uh, Israel's attack on Gaza in response to Hamas's horrific attack on Israel on October 7. And just before airtime today, 
Democratish West Virginia U.S. Senator Joe Manchin announced that he would not be running for re-election next year, most likely clearing the way for Republicans to flip that seat in deep red West Virginia and, of course, threatening the Democrats' hold on a Senate majority next year. But details on most of that, we may get to mention, but we'll see. Most of that will have to wait for another day because today, once again, we have special coverage of another questionable exercise in electoral politics amid the Trump era. The third Republican presidential primary debate was on Wednesday night, featured five candidates who are still theoretically in the running, but not the candidate who is currently polling far ahead of all of the others, even while refusing to show up and debate, even as he faces two different major civil trials and 91 criminal felony counts in four different indictments. Not that you would know any of that if you struggled to stay awake during Wednesday night's two-hour debate from Miami, Florida. The RNC's debate was, for some reason, sponsored and aired by NBC News, along with the far-right-wing Salem radio outfit, and apparently somehow also sponsored by the Republican Jewish Committee, whose CEO got to ask not one but two questions of the candidates on Wednesday night, those candidates being not Donald Trump, but grumpy, unlikable, diminutive, and better-looking poor man's Donald Trump, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former South Carolina governor and Trump U.N. ambassador and deceptively not insane, Nikki Haley, former New Jersey governor, decade-ago serious contender for the presidency, turned former Trump ally, turned half-hearted antagonist, Chris Christie, South Carolina's U.S. senator, vice presidential wannabe, and apparently present at Wednesday's debate, Tim Scott, and some guy named Vivek Ramaswamy, who keeps showing up at these things and was once again potentially on the debate stage for my own personal amusement. <laughs> Ramaswamy was uh, perhaps more aptly described last night by L.A. Times columnist David French as, quote, a right-wing Twitter thread come to life. And by former Trump DOJ spokesperson Sarah Isger as, quote, running for most likely to get punched in the face. I hope he wins. The third, uh, theoretically not last, Republican presidential primary debate is described by the New York Times, devolved at times into brutal personal attacks with attempts at cutting, uh, cutting asides and provocative insults as the five candidates on stage uh, were otherwise asked about things like the fate of Social Security and the role of America abroad, while NBC News cribbed, I think, from Fox News's GOP debate model of asking as few questions as possible about what is actually going on in the state of the race, the state of the Republican Party, or very real legal and criminal perils that are facing the front runner who was smart enough not to show up for the debate entirely and chose to hold a rally about 30 minutes up the road in Florida. He largely went unscathed and unchallenged either by the debate moderators or the candidates themselves. 
The debate in Miami came just one day after the Republican Party took yet another thumping at the polls as the country rebuked the Republican Party, especially over abortion rights. But that issue, which drove voters to the polls in huge numbers in Virginia, Ohio, Kentucky and elsewhere on Tuesday, was not even raised by the debate moderators until about an hour and 40 minutes into the forum by which time most Americans had perhaps mercifully been lulled into a gentle sleep. Once uh, it did come up, the candidates showed yet another of the party's many divides. Tim Scott emphatically expressed support for a federal ban on abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy. That's the same position which just cost Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin both chambers of his own Commonwealth's General Assembly on Tuesday and perhaps his political career. Chris Christie said that the matter should be left up to the states. Ramaswamy spoke of sexual responsibility for men, as if that was a substantive point to make. And Nikki Haley pretended to take a conciliatory position, noting that Nothing can pass the 60-vote filibuster in the U.S. Senate while otherwise promising that she would sign any abortion bans or restrictions at all that might be sent to her desk as president. Voters in Iowa will cast the first votes of the Republican primary season in just over two months now as the debaters focus largely on attacking each other while Part, the party's unscathed frontrunner was laughing at all of them, along with thousands of supporters just up the road. The most heated exchanges, perhaps, were triggered by Ramaswamy repeatedly uh, in regard, for example, to high heels worn by war enthusiasts Haley and probably by Ron DeSantis and the unlikely issue of TikTok, which, by the way, had once again purchased a ton of ads that played during the mercy breaks throughout the two-hour debate. The fact of the matter is the Republican Party is not that much better. You have the likes of Nikki Haley, who stepped down from her time at the U.N., bankrupt or in debt is, was her family. Then she becomes a military contractor. She joins the board of Boeing and otherwise and is now a multimillionaire. So I think that that's wrong when Republicans do it or Democrats do it. That's the choice we face. Do you want a leader from a different generation who's going to put this country first, or do you want Dick Cheney in three-inch heels? All right, Mr. In which case, we've got two of them on stage Mr. Swami, thank you. Yes, I'd first like to say they're five-inch heels, and I don't wear them unless you can run in them. Um, well, we've got two of you on stage. The second thing that I will say is... I wear heels. They're not for a fashion statement. They're for ammunition. Well, I, I, I want to laugh at why Nikki Haley didn't answer your question, which is about looking at families in the eye. In the last debate, she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. Adult daughter. The next generation of Americans are using it. And that's actually the point. You have her supporters propping her up. That's fine. Here's the truth. You're just the easy answer. You're just scum, in case you missed that there. All pretty classy stuff there. Uh, begging the question, once again, as to why we will be devoting no small part of the next hour or so to discuss it. 
and hopefully discuss some other related matters as well. Joining us, as usual, is, of course, our uh, bleary-eyed producer, Desi Doyens. <laughs> Say hello, Desi. Hello, Desi. Well done. And, uh, of course, um, winning our old-school blogger, uh, award this year's trifecta <laughs> award for each joining us for three of these crap fests now in a row <laughs> so far this year and both probably wearing flats today i'm not sure <laughs> the award-winning salon columnist and beloved hullabaloo blogger heather digby parton is with us once again welcome back digby Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. As is longtime progressive blogger and co-host of the Professional Left podcast, recorded each week, rain or shine, from his uh, home in self-described flyover country, Illinois. It's our old friend Drift Glass, sometimes known as Mr. Electrico, sometimes known simply as Bill. Oh, thank you for joining us again, Drifty. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's the company, not the subject. There you go. I uh, I hope you appreciate that. I hope you are uh, both prepared uh, to tell me exactly how many ships should be added to the U.S. <laughs> naval fleet, how much it will cost, and when they will be put into the water. But first, I, even though NBC seems to have apparently thought it not very important, I actually do think what happened on Tuesday in the off-year elections uh, in which Democrats won pretty much every damn contest. Ohio voters enshrined abortion rights into the state's constitution, also legalized marijuana. Democrats won back majority control of the Virginia General Assembly, dampening Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin's political future and his hopes to restrict abortion in Virginia. And uh, Kentucky's pro-abortion rights Southern Democratic Governor Andy Bashir won a second term in the Deep South, while other Democrats on the ballot below him who didn't support abortion rights ended up losing. And where Democrat Brandon Presley lost his bid for governor in Mississippi after he didn't support abortion rights, though his race was always sort of a long shot, and other stuff that is actually Far more interesting to me than Wednesday's debate slash uh, tough guy warmongering uh, event. But let's start with your thoughts, therefore, on Tuesday's elections, which were incredibly good news, I thought, for Democrats, democracy and, of course, reproductive freedoms. Um, what, if anything, should that election on Tuesday tell us moving forward into 2024? Let me start with Heather. Well, uh, yeah, that's quite a recitation, um, and it was even more than that. I mean, what I think it tells us is a couple of very interesting data points. Now, remember, this is on the heels of a bunch of polls or, that we saw over the weekend and have been coming out this week, pretty much you know, depressing, you know, putting the Democrats into a deep state of depression because it shows Joe Biden losing in battleground states by a handful. Oh, we um, will percentage. we will get to that. Don't yeah. you worry. And, but we'll, I'm just I'm just framing yeah. this in <laughs> within that within that context that mm -hmm. everybody's been, you know, kind of contemplating an early demise rather than have to face right. this, despite the fact and I just want to put this out there that this these polls are almost all in the margin of error. So, you know, anyway, we've all been sitting around with our head in our hands and along comes Tuesday night and I was girding myself. I don't know about you guys, but I'm sitting there going, oh, geez, you know, here we go. It's going to be awful. And, you know, and I hate election nights, you know, whatever. 
it was great. And it was great in a number of ways because it wasn't just that, you know, that, you know, like Andy Bashir, we were glad to see him win in Kentucky. And he's a popular guy and he seems like a good guy in the Southern state managing to, to do it. But, you know, I was particularly glad to see Glenn Youngkin's career you know, <laughs> curtailed, the uh-huh. great white bread hope, as I call him, um, and the, the, the referendum in Ohio. But it was more than that. It was also all these moms for liberty around uh-huh. who were running for school boards, they all yeah. lost. Yeah. All these, you know, all these city council, you know, right wingers who were out there screaming, they all lost. It was a from the from the ground up, this was a repudiation, in my view, and long way of getting to this. It's a repudiation of this culture war agenda that the Republicans have been putting up, and I don't think they can get out of it. As mm. much as they might want, they might look at these results and go, you know, that's not really working for us. Maybe we ought to try and talk about something else. They won't be able to because their people have been mobilized around this stuff. It is their organizing principle at this point. And uh, it's very good news, I think, for, for Democrats and for the country and, because these people are nuts. And it does seem like they got the message in that uh, there was not much discussion of those culture war issues. Well, because NBC uh, didn't night. ask about well, it. And NBC point. didn't bother. Exactly. You know, I mean, geez, might as well have been Newsmax, you know. Right. Well, I I, uh, I got to say, I was uh, I was not. Uh, sitting around skulking, worrying about the election on Tuesday. It actually <laughs> kind of played out how I thought it probably would. Drift, uh, Drift Glass, let me get your thoughts on Tuesday night. Well, first, it was a tough night for pundits. You know, you got to feel sorry for the people who, whose job it is to spin this as bad news for Joe Biden. You know, right. Joe Biden <laughs> just had a terrible night. And they worked their asses off and they failed, and that's fine. But um, what I found most interesting was moms versus moms in this election mm. because while moms for liberty lost big everywhere, you're absolutely right. And that's a great harbinger. That tells me a whole lot about where the state of the electorate is. Um, my wife is very much involved in moms demand action, mm. which is a gun safety group, mm-hmm. gun safety volunteer. nonpartisan, but for some reason, Republicans never show up at the meetings because you know, they're gun nuts. <laughs> um, now, this is just something to keep in mind. 162 Moms Demand Action for Gun Safety volunteers ran for office this year, and so far, 88 of them have won their races. Mm. And th- these are seats on city council, uh, 29 to 1 seats on school boards, 10 to 1 seats on state legislatures, etc. So all over the place, way down ballot where no one's paying any attention. There seems to be a real surge against this culture war nonsense, and and in favor of people who are also moms, who actually live in communities, who have who are just normal people, just like you and me, who would very much like to see people stop getting shot on the street for no damn good reason. And those people are winning elections all over the place, out of the ra- out of the range of the radar of the pundits. So yeah, the top of that ticket's really important. That's all very good. Andy Bashir gave a heck of a good speech. I don't know if you listened to it, but. Mm-hmm talking about beating all five PACs that were against them, all five super PACs that were against them. Mm-hmm. Um, and Democrats performed really well. And polls just at this time of year, in this point in the cycle, are just stupid. They don't mean <laughs> anything. They're just things to talk about if you're a pundit, if you don't want to talk about climate change and gun control and all the things that actual normal people want to talk about. Well, and hold those thoughts, because like I said, we are going to get to that. I 
on on Wednesday, though, and and you're right, a lot of the culture war stuff kind of went away. It's, uh, you know, I've always sort of referred to it as a pretend culture war, but I guess they have willed it into a real one. And I'm glad to hear that the the good guys, the good moms, apparently seem to be winning this one. Yeah. But um, on Wednesday night, you know, th- this was not a Fox News debate on Wednesday. It was NBC. Theoretically, you know, they're a real news organization, but yeah. I think in hopes of sort of trying to appear Fox Newsy, it seems to me like the moderators sort of all pretended that the far and away front runner who's facing 91 criminal felony charges, the loss of his entire fraudulent business empire, who has vowed retribution against his personal enemies and the nation itself. They all sort of NBC pretended as if he somehow wasn't still the most important issue of the night. Am I nuts with the uh, first primary votes just about 60 days away? Shouldn't that be virtually all they were talking about on Wednesday night at this point, Bill? Well, I mean, Trump is like, I guess, is Elisha at the Seder. You know, they set a place for him every year and he never shows up. <laughs> okay. And then they just move on, move on with their lives. Uh, yeah, they gave everyone an opportunity to weigh in on the existence of Donald Trump as a corporeal being in the universe right out of the box. Mm-hmm. Some people said right guy, wrong time. Some people said deficit. Nobody laid a glove on him. This was not a debate in any sense. And it certainly wasn't a debate among people who wanted to beat Donald Trump. They had no interest in doing that because if they tick off the base, which is basically their whole party, their careers are over. Yeah. There, if, if, a, if this were an actual debate, uh-huh. the first thing I would have done as a moderator is tell Hugh Hewitt to go to the bathroom and never come back. <laughs> right. Second thing yes, um, is to read just a few paragraphs from the Washington Post article on Donald Trump's plan for his authoritarian government yep. should he win again and ask everyone up there poignant questions about do you think it's a good idea to call out the military to put down protests using the Insurrection Act? Do you think the DOJ should be used to punish your political enemy? But, of course, they didn't because they don't want to take – you know what the sound check was before the, the thing started, right? No, I don't. The audience, was chanting, the audience was chanting Trump, 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 Trump before the thing started. <laughs> oh, man. So but, they know what they know what you know auditorium they're playing in, and they're playing to the audience, and they don't want to get run out of town on a rail, I suppose. And, and that is true for the candidates that could understand. I, I mean, you know, I, there, there's one school of thought that, yes, they ought to go against the guy they're actually running against, but there is the, the school that you point out that they don't want to offend the voters who they're trying to win over. That's okay. There's a, a debate there. But I'm not even talking about, you know, what uh, the danger they present, Trump presents to to them and the challenge between them. I'm talking about NBC. I don't understand. I mean, Donald Trump, to me, is not just, uh, you know, their most important challenger, but he's actually the most important issue in the nation right now. And it could have been a debate on Donald Trump for two hours, frankly, and the threat that he poses to this nation. But if not about Trump himself, the, the debate seemed to me that it was actually about the Republican Party itself. And while I you know, hate to let Vivek Ramaswamy's trick to uh, to get camera time work. Actually, I don't hate it at all. I'm just fine with it. Right out of the gate in the in the first question about why he should be the candidate and not Trump, he chose instead to attack 
GOP Chair Ronna Romney McDaniel and NBC moderator Kristen Welker for some reason. I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We're a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020. 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about. I mean, Chris, I'm going to use this time because it's actually about you and the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Okay, I'll answer it. It was real. So, Heather, <laughs> what was that all about? Well, I mean, look, he, yeah, uh, he is saying, I'm the young Donald Trump. This, look at me. I'm going after the media. I'm going after, you know, the, the, the Democrats. Uh, this is, this is, don't worry, you know, your, the party is in good hands. And, and the missed opportunity there and the missed responsibility, really. I mean, I don't know if you saw George Stephanopoulos over the weekend. He had Steve Scalise on yep. um, and he, you know, really cornered him on the 2020 election and he wouldn't let him go. And he's since been interviewed about it and said, well, I'm going to be doing that from now on. At, you know, I, I'm going to be pressing that question and I'm not going to move on until I get an answer. This is what the press needs to be doing. They need to understand what they're dealing with. And clearly, I mean, this, the NBC's performance was just miserable. And, yeah. you know, I'm really, you know, kind of worried a little bit about Kirsten Welker because this is not the first time she has performed miserably in the face of Republicans. Mm. The point last night was Donald Trump wasn't there, but you're absolutely right that he was there, of course, right? I mean, he was the specter hanging over everything. He is everywhere. And he is the yes. specter hanging over all of us. Yes. This was an opportunity. Those of us, you know, there are plenty of, wasn't just, you know, Republicans watching this. For a lot of people who don't follow politics as closely as we do, these are the kind of events where they'll tune in and go, what are these people talking about? Mm -hmm. This was an opportunity to expose not just Donald Trump, and get them talking about it, see who backed him on this stuff about, you know, calling for the Insurrection Act on day one and things like that, you know, completely firing mm -hmm. everybody in the executive branch and replacing them with Stephen Miller clones. This is this was an opportunity to also expose how much the Republican Party itself has become a reflection of Donald Trump and, you know, and MAGA. Yep. Yep. And, and, and NBC has a, had a responsibility to do this. This isn't about promoting the Republican, you know, primaries and yeah. helping these people. This is about exposing what's really going on in our politics and making these people answer for it. And they didn't do it at all. I mean, it was, I kept waiting. I'm going, I'm tweeting through the whole thing or Xing or whatever we call it. And, you know, I, at the end, I'm going, are they even going to talk about abortion? Well, they finally brought it up in the last 15 minutes. Right. They didn't bring up guns. They didn't, you know, and, and they didn't bring up democracy. They didn't bring up the, the election lies. They didn't bring up any of the things that are really animating our politics right now, as you say. And it was just, it was an absolute failure of an opportunity and it's the last one they're going to get with these people because they're all going to they're, they're doing it on newsmax next time or no i'm sorry news nation i mean i don't no, even have brother. that i don't think uh well uh, so so i guess uh, i mean what i took away was that he's mad because it was not on fox like all of the debates should be on fox or of something or newsmax uh, or maybe oan or you know 
DeSantis, on Joe Rogan's show, something like that. DeSantis, by the way, uh, is actually also essentially calling for the uh, Insurrection Act on day one or version of that. I'll yes. get to that in a second. Uh, but I do have to get to a break. Drift Glass, uh, quickly, uh, would you like to ring in on that? Weird uh, remark as well. And and are you sad that Elon Musk and Joe Rogan were not uh, and Tucker Carlson were not the moderators on Wednesday night? Well, yeah, uh, the other person who was talking about uh, blaming Rona McDaniel was Steve Bannon. Mm. Um, so, he, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy has tapped into that party, that part of the party line. He knows what they're talking about and he is talking directly to them. And NBC is giving him a big camera to talk directly to crazy people. And he just came right out of the gate doing exactly what I expected him to do, which was attacking everybody and trying to be the biggest a-hole on stage. And he succeeded. (laughs) That was his goal. And he did it. So you got to give him that at least. Well, we will give him that. Yeah. And and that is something that I think a lot of people that I noticed were also mentioning that it seems like Ramaswamy is basically doing a Fox News audition that he needs. He needs to generate these headlines because he's got to get more attention. But I also want to point out something that Ruth Ben-Ghiat had mentioned when, you know, she's a a counterterrorism expert. Um, I'm not really giving the right resume for her, but clearly he's... expert on fascism and authoritarianism. Thank you. Uh, she said that Rama is Ramaswamy is getting all of the attention as he planned. The purpose of his campaign is purely propagandistic to get authoritarian talking points into the mainstream. And it worked, uh, yeah. you know, and, and that's why I say I'm sort of uh, sorry to play him, but uh, sorry, not sorry, I think. I got to take a quick break here. We will come back with more of our special coverage of the third GOP presidential primary debate. The pretend debate out of Miami uh, uh, on uh, on Wednesday with my guests, Heather Digby Parton and the delightful Drift Glass. After a quick break here, we'll come back and talk about really the uh, uh, the, the reappearance of the Republican warmongering. It was only it, it was only in hibernation. It's not gone altogether. That's straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Now, if you look where we are now, it's a lot different than we were in 2016. And Donald Trump's a lot different guy than he was in 2016. He owes it to you to be on this stage and explain why he should get another chance. And he said Republicans were going to get tired of winning. Well, we saw last night, I'm sick of Republicans losing. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. And I'm not what I appear to be. No, they are not. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Special coverage of debate 
President GOP presidential primary debate number three out of Miami with my guest Heather Digby Parton and Drift Glass. All right, one of my main reasons for uh, for sort of seeing Wednesday's debate as more about the GOP itself, the Republican Party itself, more about that than anything was, frankly, the party's apparent return to its warhawk warmongering roots. The violence and use of U.S. troops was pretty much embraced by all of the all five of the candidates on stage in support of Israel and more disturbingly, I think, essentially calling for going to war against Iran against China and even Mexico. Those calls, I thought, were hard to miss. I would be telling BB, finish the job once and for all. Finish them. Finish them. Smoke those terrorists on his southern border, and then I'll tell him as president of the United States, I'll be smoking the terrorists on our southern border. Strike in Iran. Take out their infrastructure. Iran responds to strength. We're declaring it a national emergency on day one. I'm sending U.S. military to the border. Authorize the use of deadly force. We're going to shoot them stone cold dead. We will end all normal trade relations with China until they stop murdering Americans. We'll send special operations in to take out the cartels. Jesus. Uh, Drift glass. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Donald Trump has been claiming for years that he's, you know, the first president in forever to not start a new war on his watch. But he he did use the military to attack in Syria and Iran and essentially sold out the U.S. military to the Taliban in Afghanistan and left Joe Biden to clean up the mess. But given pretty much all of the candidates on Wednesday night, I mean, is there any reason to believe the GOP is suddenly the anti-war party as as Trump and his supporters have tried to pretend over the past few years? Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, they never went away. Um, I, and I respect the fact that Tim Scott brought back in the 80s the, the idea of Libyan death squads coming into the country, except they're not Libyan death squads anymore. Now they're sleeper cells coming across the border thousands you know, of them already I, here yeah they're already here yeah. maybe you don't know <laughs> I, I think the republicans were at the, i think you're absolutely right that um that maga is sort of living off of the fumes from 2016 but their greatest moment in republicans sort of you know uh, reptilian brain memory mm -hmm. was in was the conquest of iraq of, of George Bush, there's still that echoing memory. The whole part about it being a horrible mistake and screwing it up and trillions of dollars spent and thousands lost, that's all sort of unpleasant things we don't want to think about. But the biggest high these people have had since before Trump was invading a country and kicking the tails of people they don't like and killing lots of them, bombing yeah. them. Watching America's bomb things is fun. We like watching that on TV. Yep. And that's still there. And they have now being provided with a bunch of targets that will never happen, but they can fantasize about it. And that's all this was. This was an extended porn hub for bloodthirsty weirdos. Yeah. To talk about what they, who they'd love to kill and why they'd love to kill them. And I was sort of glad to see it. I was glad to see it come out after they've, you know, been pretending, oh, we're against foreign wars. Those uh, yeah. Democrats, they're the warmongers, the neocons and so forth. But Jesus, I mean, if you add up all the calls for, you know, Ron DeSantis talking about shooting them stone cold dead as they cross the border. That was after yeah. previous debates where he talked about invading Mexico. 
Uh, and now uh, Haley, Nikki Haley, seemed to be joining the call to invade Mexico. And yet when there's a real chance to actually defend democracy, as in Ukraine, as opposed to simply warmongering in China and Iran and, and Mexico, um, I, I, I'm not sure, but only uh, Nikki Haley and I think maybe Chris Christie seem to be in clear support of helping Ukraine to defend yeah. itself against Russia. Uh, Heather, wh what, if anything, should we learn from this? <laughs> well, we should learn that they are bloodthirsty warmongers and always have been. I mean, I remember a time when I was just a youngster when they were talking <laughs> about bombing North Vietnam into the Stone Age. So mm -hmm. it's yeah. the same people, right? I mean, this is this is what they do. And by the way, so is Donald Trump. He says this stuff I've always found. I've written, you know, just thousands of words on this over the years because it drove me crazy. Oh, you know, we don't want the forever wars. And he's some kind of a peacenik and an isolationist. No way. This guy is a violent, bloodthirsty jackass. And we know that by the way he speaks about everybody. Yeah. And by the way, he's the one who brought up while he was president bombing, bombing Mexico. I mean, he said and not only that, he says we can bomb them and then we'll just tell them it wasn't us. And, you know, all yeah, these right. guys in the that's Pentagon right. are going, the Pentagon are going, yeah, that's probably not going to work. But, yeah. It doesn't work like that. But, yeah, it doesn't really work like that. But, you know, this is the way he thinks. And it is exactly if anybody thinks that somehow Donald Trump is different from Ron DeSantis and the stone cold dead stuff. He wanted to put spikes on top of the wall and, you know, they may mm -hmm. impale people, you know, I mean, put alligators yeah. in a moat. I mean, this is what this guy is. So you know, even in fact, just today I read that he was on. Univision. He did a he has done an interview there where he's defending this family separation you know, saying he's going to do it again because it really works. It's great. Yeah. He stopped all the all the uh, people coming over the border. The pandemic had nothing to do with it. Um, but anyway, this is just this is who the Republicans are. It's who they've always been. And you can tell by their rhetoric about everything. They're violent people and they get off on it. It's exactly what Driftless said. This is a thrill for them. They love it. Yes. Yep. And not only that, but I think it's also something we should point out that the uh, corporate media has actually very much normalized this unhinged idea that Ron DeSantis has. Oh, we're going to have extrajudicial executions if anybody steps across the border. Oh, we're going to bomb Mexico. Oh, we're going to send send special forces into Mexico. This has been normalized and it's insane. I, I'm I'm still sort of thinking about the alligators in the moats idea. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Kind of like that one. That's yeah, that's, that's, that's not bad. Uh, Bill, I, I played earlier um, just one of the TikTok related smash and grabs. Um, <laughs> but uh, several of the candidates, I think most notably DeSantis, actually wants to ban TikTok and he yeah. wants to deport anyone who supports Palestine on uh, college campuses. Now, they, they all yep. kind of referred to support of Hamas and I got to admit, I don't watch a lot of Fox News, so I'm but I'm pretty sure that there was, you know, a lot of conflation last night with supporters of Palestine or protesters against Israel's bombing of uh, civilians in Gaza with somehow that was support for Hamas. But banning TikTok and to deporting people for exercising their free speech, whether you like it or not, seems kind of anti-constitutional to me. None of the moderators pressed 
any of the candidates on that. Am I am I misreading these issues, uh, uh, Drift Glass? Uh, no. Um, remember, it, you're either with us or you're with the terrorists. Those mm-hmm. are your only two choices. And every decision you're going to make about war and peace and life and death, George Bush said, you're either with us or you're with the terrorists. You're either completely 100% behind everything Israel's doing or you're pro-Hamas. Those are your only two choices. There's nothing in between, no moderation in between them. Um, and as to the TikTok thing, I was jotting in my notes, hey, look, here comes a TikTok commercial. Isn't that fun? They're put, still putting TikTok commercials on here. A lot of them, And then yeah. right after the whole TikTok, we should ban TikTok, TikTok's the end of the world. It's poisoning our children's minds. Comes a TikTok commercial from grandmothers who, oh, TikTok saved my life. I would be dead today if it weren't for TikTok. Yes. And I thought, this is perfect. And the, the, if we have time, the commercial after that was just mind-blowing to me. Is the, that um, the whales? The whales easy the, pass. The, the whale the easy Biden pass. Easy pass whale thing. I thought, did did the guys from Saturday Night Live actually get on television? <laughs> this is like a yeah. test to see is everybody asleep at this point? Has everyone just passed out from exhaustion? Well, let, let's because <laughs> let's wake them up and play it. Here we go. Why is this so expensive? Uh, well, Joe Biden made an easy pass lane for whales in the Gulf, making it harder to produce energy here at home. This means higher prices at the pump, less money in your pocket, all because of Biden's whale easy pass line. Seriously? Prices are high enough. We need more American energy, not less. Tell President Biden to stop the whale easy pass lane and get gas prices under control. So you're in favor of the whale easy pass, Bill? Is that what you're trying to say? 100%. For higher gas prices? 100%. I think we should just... Why don't we just burn whales for oil? I mean, I they guess. used to do it in the 1800s. Why yeah. not do it now? Yeah. yeah. But you know, that was the energy policy across the board. It was burn everything, coal, oil, yeah. drill everywhere. Not a word about climate change from anybody no, at nope. NBC. Not nope. a peep. Just burn it all. Nope. Yep. And by the way, there was a lot, and they had plenty of opportunities because there was, as usual, a lot about, you know, talk about how America needs to be the, you know, the greatest energy producer in the world. Well, we already are the world's largest energy producer, the world's largest exporter of oil, gas, and coal, as I understand it. That is correct. And yet, uh, they were also, you know, talking about these great, they had a lot of great ideas. What they need to do is return manufacturing to the U.S. We need to start, uh, you know, yeah. creating microchips here in the U.S. It what? would create wow. a lot of jobs and what everything. An idea. And they're able to get away with that because they were not corrected. I kind of, I agreed with them, by the way. We should do all of that. But I like the idea better when it was called the CHIPS Act and the Inflation <laughs> Reduction Act, which has already passed and been signed uh-huh. by Joe Biden. But they act like all of that doesn't exist. Uh, can, can I ask a quick question? Yeah. Was this the same bill that Senator Scott voted against when he was in the Senate? I don't know. I would have been nice had uh, Kristen Welker brought that up on Wednesday night. That would have been cool, I suppose. Yeah, fact-checking. Who, who knows? That might have made some difference. <laughs> Man. Well, yeah, no. Was, yeah. That's why they needed uh, Joe Rogan here, because he would have <laughs> fact-checked. And Oh, wait. No. <laughs> or Elon. <laughs> or Elon. Man. All right. Listen, I, I got to get to a, a break here. I, I want to talk about some uh, Democratic polling that you guys referenced uh, momentarily. But the gold standard Des Moines Register poll out last week finds that while Donald Trump's way ahead of all the competitors in Iowa, if you combine the support of all his challengers, 
He's actually losing to them. So uh, very quickly, guys, if uh, Chris Christie really wants to see Donald Trump lose, shouldn't he and all but one of the others, I guess, drop out? And will Trump's challengers even consider such an option if they really want to defeat him between you know now and January when, when voting begins? I'll let you both have a crack at that. Uh, Heather? Um, he's not going to, I don't think I'd be surprised if he did. And I don't think it'll work anyway. I mean, you know, consider our experience with, um, you know, president Ted Cruz or president Pat Robertson, you know, Iowa produces a lot of winners that don't actually go on. So I I have no doubt that Donald Trump is going to be the nominee, no matter what any of these people do. So, you know, whatever, uh, a a drift glass. Uh, yeah, if they could all find it in their hearts to act for the collective good, they wouldn't be Republicans. And number <laughs> two, uh, if, if they manage to ag- ag- uh, aggregate some candidate who could do this, then Donald Trump will run as an independent and break the party anyway. Mm. Yes. I, I can't imagine he won't. I cannot imagine he would, he would go out gracefully and say, well, Chris Christie beat me. I guess I'll just go back to Mar-a-Lago and count my billions. So we're all screwed. Let's take a quick break and we will come back with the uh, with the world on fire, I guess, because uh, I do want to ask you guys about the uh, the Democratic polling um, and some related news in our uh, closing few minutes here on the broadcast special coverage of debate presidential GOP presidential primary debate number three in Miami with Salons, Heather Digby-Parton, and pro-left podcasts, Drift Glass. Our last few minutes uh, straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. The world is on fire. We have a war in Europe. We've got a war in the Middle East. We've got China on the march. It is very important that we know how to defend our freedoms and how to defeat terrorism and socialism. I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart. Yes, I do. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Coverage of the third GOP presidential debate in Miami on Wednesday for what it was worth with Heather Digby Parton and Drift Glass. All right, I want to talk before we get out here today about the polls that have been freaking out Democrats for the past week or so. Each of you guys uh, referenced them earlier. Um But first, in their closing remarks during the Wednesday GOP debate uh, in Miami, I'm pretty sure that Nikki Haley here was equating socialism with uh, terrorism. Um, But it was this remark from, um, and yes, sorry again, Internet troll come to life Vivek Ramaswamy that sort of caught my attention. I also want to close with one message to the Democrat Party. 
end this farce that Joe Biden is going to be your nominee. We know he's not even the president of the United States. He's a puppet for the managerial class. So have the guts to step up and be honest about who you're actually going to put up so we can have an honest debate. Biden should step aside, end his candidacy now, so we can see whether it's Newsom or Michelle Obama or whoever else. Right, Just Mr. tell us the truth so we can have an honest debate. Okay, who wants it that? Uh, uh, Heather, you laughed first, so uh, good luck to you. Yes? It's, it's so ridiculous, and this fantasy about Michelle Obama, that that was a, really a shout-out to QAnon, because they've been yes. pushing this Michelle Obama thing oh, for years. Okay, It's a big thing with them, so yeah, you know, they're all screaming in the audience. But, uh, you know, the, the, it's ridiculous, and, and the idea, you know, I, I mean, I guess it's possible that, Joe Biden might drop out, but I got to tell you, I don't think, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy telling Democrats that he should is going to be very influential. I could be wrong, but I kind of doubt anybody gives a they damn sh- what <laughs> They should be honest. They should tell the truth about their <laughs> real plans, uh, uh, Bill. Well, I couldn't tell if that was Vivek Ramaswamy or Internet resistance hero Bill Crystal, who, oh. you know, is a... Uh, yep. Also saying, said, you know, for the good of the nation, uh-huh. Joe Biden needs to drop out. Uh-huh. And then I suppose this is the same idiot who tried to put up David French to run for office mm-hmm. in 2016. Uh-huh. He just wants to be the guy who plays the kingmaker. But now he's on MSNBC. So I guess he's my friend. <laughs> so uh, just more successful trolling from Vivek Ramaswamy, I oh, guess yeah. it sounds like. He's All good right. at it. West Virginia's U.S. Senator Joe Manchin announced uh, on Thursday that he will not be running for re-election next year, meaning his seat most likely flips to the uh, state's Republican governor and, well, pretend former Democrat Jim Justice, who was elected governor as a Democrat, and the very next day flipped to the Republican Party. Meanwhile, Democrats have, in fact, been freaking out over the past week or so regarding these poll numbers showing Joe Biden losing to Donald Trump in five of the six critical uh, swing states by anywhere from four to ten points. Kind of reminds me of the old uh, Saturday Night Live sketch with Dukakis and uh, George Bush Sr., I think it was, uh, with Dukakis saying, I can't believe I'm losing to this guy. There has been um, so much going on this week. I haven't really got had time to dig into these polls at all. We might a little bit next week, but pretty much all of Joe Biden's pol- policies are wildly popular with the American people, yet yeah. Joe Biden is not, if you believe these polls. Um, and he may actually lose to Donald Trump in all of the swing states. What is going on here, Drift Glass? And should Democrats be freaked out about it or not? Um, I'm going to turn to Jim Lovell from Apollo 13 for his eternal wisdom about we're not going to go bouncing off the walls for 10 minutes because we'll end up right back where we have huh. where we are with the same problem. Mm-hmm. Try to figure out Joe Biden is going to be the nominee of the Democratic Party. Donald Trump is going to be the nominee of the Republican Party. That is the fact of, of the matter. And what polls say a year out doesn't reflect anything to do with what's going to go on in 2014. It reflects a bunch of people who want to say, I'm unhappy about inflation and I'm pissed about Joe Biden's policy about this or that, or he's very old or whatever. But there is, I, I think there's probably not a strong 60% 
pro-Biden coalition in this country, but I believe there's a very large anti-Trump coalition. And when it comes right down to voting for Donald Trump or Joe Biden, I don't believe these Trumps mean anything. I think it's going to be Joe Biden, and I think he should focus very intently on bombing this country with ads. I want to see wall-to-wall J6 stuff um, starting probably in December all the way through the end of – through the election. And then then we'll see. Ask me again in six months if I'm worried. I'm not worried now. You're not worried now. All right. Uh, No, not at all. Digby, would would you like to apologize to Dean Phillips and respond (laughs) to the concerns that Democrats have about uh, Uh, after these polls? Absolutely not. Um, I wrote a piece on Monday in the wake of the, the, the polling that came out and had everybody completely freaking out. Reminding everybody that in 2011, at the exact same time, uh, it was like November 3rd or something mm-hmm. in 2011, but prior to the 2012 re-election mm-hmm. of Obama, mm-hmm. Nate Silver wrote like a 5,000-word piece in the New York Times said, is Obama toast? And mm-hmm. it was, and basically his conclusion was probably <laughs> At best, he's got a 50-50 chance. And I'm not kidding. It was 5,000 words. I reread it and went, oh, my God. Mm. So, uh, look, this, for one thing, Democrats do this. It's one of the things. They're kind of panic artists. And, you know, after 2016, it's gotten really bad. Right. And, well, you know, maybe reason. rightfully yeah. so. Okay. Um, but nonetheless, you know, I agree completely with Drift Glass. It's, you know, this these polls a year out are not you know, dispositive in any way. What is dispositive is things like, you know, the Democrats winning every off-year election, yeah. uh, winning in 2022, winning in 2020, winning in 2018. I mean, there are a, there's a lot of actual voting and organizing and, and results on the ground that sort of show that the Democrats are not in this pathetic place. Now, having said that, I agree completely also with Drift Class that people are in, this is, the country's in a sour mood. This is not one of those happy times. And why? Because we've got freaks like Donald Trump out there and everybody knows it and democracy is under siege and the world, there's a bunch of crises around the world. It's not, you know, people are upset. And so this is what they do. You know, you blame the people that are in charge, but I do not think that they are going to vote against Joe Biden. Having said that, it's going to be close. We always knew it would be close. It always is close these days. And that's just the way it is. So, you know, I think Biden will do fine in the popular vote and they're going to have to fight it out in the trenches in these battleground states, just like they had to do in 2020 and just like what happened in 2016. And I hope everybody's prepared for that because that's just where we are as a country. And I'll tell you something. Mm. It really is keeping me up awake, you know, at night thinking about these tens of millions of America's Americans, my fellow Americans. Who, who still like this guy, Donald Trump. I mean, I kind of can't yeah. believe it, but they do. And they're, they're, we've got a bigger problem, I think, culturally. <laughs> Something really, really, you know, kind of toxic is going on in our body politics. That, uh, you know, yeah. I don't think it's going to go away when he does. Let's just put it that way. So. Yeah. So no Dean Phillips. Um, I get. Uh, How about <laughs> RFK Jill Jr. Jill Stein just announced today. Oh, so did she really? That. Yes, she did. For the Green Party. Great? Yes, okay. indeed. Okay. Oh boy. Uh, well, now uh, to be fair, RFK Jr. is getting yep. a polling about twenty percent, which kind of mm-hmm. throws a monkey wrench into some of this. No, you you sound dubious, Heather. <laughs> 
on that. Oh, yeah. I don't. I, I think that's just name recognition. It's people just saying. I mean, I don't think people. If, if right. people knew who he really, you know, what he really stands for, I don't think he gets any. I mean, he might get a, you know, some percentage point, but I don't. It's not twenty. I mean, that's absurd. So I guess Marion Williamson and Cornell West are right out at this point for you two. All right. I, <laughs> well, I mean, it does I, seem that, you know, once an individual who uh, puts themselves up for this, once they get more attention and the public actually gets an opportunity to hear them and see them and see what sort of ideas that they have, bonkers or not, then that does seem to have an effect on whether or not they actually support Yeah. Them. Apparently, it made Donald Trump's numbers go through the roof. They love him once they found out how bonkers he was. But just for that segment of the population, the rest of us who remain in the same American population have a different reaction. Their, their dance card is already full, I guess, those crazy people. All right. <laughs> hey, thanks, guys. Another hour of special coverage. You both deserve <laughs> a huge reward. At some point, we'll find something to give you. Thank you for putting up with watching the debate. <laughs> are there any more? I mean, are, I, we, are we in this for she more? asked trepidatiously. <laughs> yeah, actually, they were sort of indicating there would be more. I think this is the last one before voting begins. But I don't know. That could change as well. Um, if, you know, if Elon Musk, Joe Rogan and Tucker Carlson all agree. <laughs> oh, good luck to all of us. <laughs> Got to get out. Wow. My 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 thanks, as always, to Heather Digby Parton. Find her work. Read it at Salon.com and every day at Digby'sBlog.net. You can also find her on the site still known as Twitter at Digby56. And, of course, Drift Glass is known as Mr. Electrico over at the site still known as Drift Glass, but you should check out his podcast, his several podcasts that you can find via proleftpod.com, which also includes uh, his uh, and his, his wife, Fran, otherwise known as Blue Gal, and uh, their other podcast called No Fair Remembering Stuff. <laughs> it's good stuff. All right. Uh, thanks, guys. Always great to have you, you here. I look forward thanks to it for next time. Me. Thank you for making it all better. We got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, as well. Yep. Thanks, Des. And to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or you just like to uh, download it, uh, share it with a friend or family or an enemy, you can do so for free at bradblog.com. That is made possible by those of you who support our work at bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you for that. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks, Mastodons, and sites still known as Twitter, I am the TheBradBlog. See you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Music.